0: Welcome to the sixth episode of East to 2011, Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is forever shouting as he's listening, Logan Saunders.
1: Good afternoon.
0: And the guy who claims he has a 41 shoe size, but it's actually closer to 21, David Bindley.
1: Who stole my towel?
0: Bo Ryan, that's the problem. <laughs> it was literally all the luggage he brought with him to Belize.
2: I don't, I don't want it back now. Just a towel?
0: Yeah, did you not hear about this? He... he was at one of the pit stops in Belize wearing nothing but a towel.
2: Because the excuse
1: was that he supposedly lost his luggage.
0: Yeah. And Ten even were so proud of it that they released a promo picture of it weeks in advance.
1: Yeah, I know that was hyped up for quite a while. Bo Ryan loses his luggage during filming after he cut COVID. I don't know why Bob Dylan was doing the promotional material for it, but.
0: Never seen him in the same room.
1: Bob Dylan is Bo Ryan?
0: Yeah, the times are changing The best thing is, by the time anyone hears this episode, it will have already been cancelled.
1: Yay!
0: In fact, by the time we finish recording this season, it will have already been cancelled.
1: Yeah, they've only got, as of this recording, it's just one episode left, because the schedule changed around so frequently that the after airing three or five episodes in a row per week for the past four or five weeks, the final episode doesn't air for another four days.
0: Yeah, and in fact, yesterday's episode got 17th place in the evening and was yet again fourth in its time slot. For the 18th time on the trot, was it? Or 19th? 19th time on the trot. Something like that. So previously, the final seven were smuggled across the border from El Salvador to Nicaragua. Sundos was spooked by horses, so didn't attempt to gaucho assignments, leaving the other six to completely fail all on their own. The heavens opened, leaving Anna inside revising, while the other six risked the wrath of Peter Yan as they represented words using only pictures, but it was Jan who suffered the most, as he went home next with three yokers in his pocket. And Peter Jan tells us that the season is nearly halfway through, and people are finally settling on their moles, and Karen, Patrick, and Arthur are the top suspects currently, for what it's worth.
2: It's interesting that he said Patrick, has not a single person picked him last week.
0: Yeah, and it's deliciously passive-aggressive the way he does this entire opening to the episode, because he's like, yeah, for what it's worth, if you actually care. Yeah. These are the top three suspects at the moment, but don't put any stock into them.
1: I guess it just shows you how much of the suspicions they leave out of the final cut of the episode. Unless Peter Yan just blatantly lied to us.
0: And the episode title is Your Fate in Your Own Hands. And they agree that it's bizarre that the group is only half what it used to be. Sundas and Art both say that they thought of Yan last night, but probably in
1: different ways. And I believe Art, Art did not think of Yan once. He was very confused. Why are you why are you guys thinking about Yan? I already forgot he even existed, like most of the general public did after this season was over.
0: The Salvadorian schoolgirls did not.
1: Yeah, I was about to say that they still they still have posters in El Salvador of Yan.
0: And at breakfast they are handed a phone, and if you know anything about the mole, anytime you get handed a phone, it's always a bad idea because usually it tells you lol, you're executed. And Ann speaks to them on speakerphone. He says they need to divide into two groups, three readers and three writers. And it's Papine, Sundos and Art who are the readers, and Anna, Karen and Patrick who are the writers. And yet again, Art is the narrator of this entire scene, basically. If we educate this, and if we didn't know how Art does at the end of the season, Art has a lot of confessionals in this episode.
1: He's had a lot of confessionals every episode. He's the narrator of the season.
0: Yeah, I was sat on the train on Sunday watching this episode just going, is anyone else ever going to talk?
1: Each episode, it seems to be, Art narrates the overall task as a whole. Soundos gets a funny quote in there. Patrick or Pepine or Art complain about something Karen did. And then Anna says, oh, I have an exemption. Or, or she'll have some remarks saying, oh, Art and Patrick uh, try to do way too much on each task. And that's what it's been like every episode.
0: Rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, and then and then prior to Yan's execution, I think the only time he was shown was him saying, oh, I'm, I know who the mole is. I know who the mole is for sure. I am certain as to who the mole is. And we get that about once per episode. I guess the only one of the eliminated players so far who got a reasonable amount of content was Horace,
0: And that's only because he came back 10 years later.
1: Yeah, that was the plan all along. We really got to hype this guy up. We got to hype him up for all three episodes that he's in because there's going to be a big payoff to this a decade
2: from now. And then his first confessional in Renaissance is basically about how, you know, he was only playing the first time just to get invited back. You combine both of his appearances and he combines for half a season. Anyway, it's still a touch moist, by which I mean it's wetter than one of Logan's videos, so they go and buy gumboots.
0: Yeah, the the funniest thing about this is, as we said, Art narrates a lot of this episode, and his first confessional is basically just,
1: it's the rainy season, so it rained. Again, he made that exact same confessional the previous episode. It rained a lot. (laughs) Imagine if that was just, they should have just clipped it down with that. It rains a lot in Nicaragua because it's the rainy season. It rains a lot in Nicaragua because it's the rainy season.
0: This scene is fascinating because you never see them use their the pot money to buy stuff for themselves.
1: So is that just an undisclosed rule that's been going on for a while? That if they want to buy anything extra to give themselves a minor advantage in a task, that the money has to come out of the pot?
0: I presume so, but I can't think of another time it's it's actually played out in the
1: episode like this. But there's been other times and there's other seasons we've covered where you've noticed a discrepancy in the pot money. So now I'm thinking, was that discrepancy due to unaired purchases that they didn't bother airing in the episode? Because, what was it, 100 100 euros for gumboots seems like quite a bit, given how cheap everything is in Nicaragua.
0: Yeah, because it's six people. Or five.
1: Yeah, Pepine's stuck in his flip-flops in a flood. That cannot be pleasant.
0: I also think it's very interesting that they decided to film in Nicaragua in the rainy season just for funsies.
1: Yeah, was was it just a motif that they were going for, wanting to have tropical Latin American rain every single round of play?
0: I think they probably underestimated the rain of the rainy
1: season. Because I think the main reason why the first task isn't successful here is because it's really, if it's a really big downpour it's a lot tougher to focus on what you're doing yeah i think we covered that in the last round where they had the huge downpour but i think that's that still applies here you can't participate in a series of games that really tests uh your mental abilities if you know if you're just getting bombarded with rain constantly and then after multiple days of it it's just going to keep wearing you down i would assume and then it even alters the final challenge of this round, or I guess the second challenge of this round, because the host said, well, you actually only have 10 minutes to complete this challenge, and we have to start really quickly here. Otherwise, everything we're using for the challenge is going to be flooded, and Pepine will be drowning in his flip-flops.
0: So the writers meet Pitian in Central Park in Leon, and they'll be taking a walking tour of Leon and must choose one of eight words, each worth a particular amount, to represent. The readers will take the same route, and they need to make sure they do the route in such a way that the readers will be able to read it off a map after they finish. And they eventually settle on the word executesy, which is worth a lot of money, but X is hard to do in a grid system. And then the fun begins. Because, let's be honest, Karen has a lot of accidental fun in this challenge, I think it's fair to say.
2: Karen has a lot of accidental fun in most challenges, to be fair.
0: This is a big Karen challenge, though, in terms of her ineptitude at things.
2: What's interesting is we
1: rarely hear from Karen throughout this whole challenge. It's just everybody else talking about Karen.
0: Yeah, it's everyone talking about how much they hate Karen and hate being in a group with her.
1: So I'm curious, why not air this challenge from Karen's perspective? At at least give her some airtime, explain what was going on. Because she's the one who's on the walkie-talkie more than anybody within that group of six. Because she fumbles it, it falls in through her shirt, you know, it's in her hair, it gets tangled up in her hair, ends up on the ground, it ends up, uh, ends up in St. Louis, Missouri, somehow.
0: This entire episode, or at least the first two challenges of this episode, it's told very interestingly, though, because they're basically back-to-back in terms of nobody listening to Sundars in this first challenge, which they should have done, and then everyone listening to Sundos in the second challenge, and it actually being a success as a result.
1: I think they've caught on that. I would presume that Soundos is not the mole.
0: We've heard bits of it during the season in the previous episodes of nobody trusting Soundos' opinion for whatever reason. Nobody trusts anything she says until the second challenge of this episode, for whatever reason.
1: And then they just go all in on what she's saying. And then Patrick, who I guess has been to New York, says, Oh, look at this map. The grid is just like New York.
0: Well, he's an actor. He's probably been to Broadway at some point.
1: Yeah, I just have a tough time thinking the layout of Leon Nicaragua is the same as New York City. I don't recall Leon Nicaragua having five boroughs. Lots of cities have grids, though.
0: People know what grid systems are. Just
2: not Patrick.
0: So the readers then receive their phone and are given the instructions of the route to follow. Art and Papina thicker sleeves and completely take over, and yet again no one listens to Sundas.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sundas just as. Is- why am I why am I even here for this challenge?
2: <laughs> she gets boxed out by Art and Pepine instantaneously. And they they both shout into the phone like a pensioner listening to the wireless for the first time because it's raining that hard.
1: I was thinking that would that's a huge disadvantage for this challenge if it's raining so hard that you can't even hear who's on the other side of the walkie talkie. I feel like the I know it's not production's problem if the weather isn't cooperating. But there should have been some sort of reprieve because as soon as, yeah, as soon as it's just really, really intense rain and they can barely communicate through the walkie-talkie, which is a very critical and essential device for this challenge, without it you can't really do the challenge. Surprise there wasn't something implemented to balance things out, such as giving them extra time. Because that becomes a huge deal where it says, well, we wouldn't have played soccer with all of those school kids if we knew we were down to three minutes on the clock.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. The readers are given zero instructions from anyone. And I don't know whether the writers were told that they weren't allowed to actually give them any information, like the fact they were writing a word, or the fact that they only had an hour to do it. But they just dawdle so much, and it gets to like five minutes before the end, and they go, oh shit, we've still got six letters to write. Um, this is a problem.
1: Yeah, because they only get as far as the I in the first group, and then what was it? Two. They how much more time does the second group have afterwards?
0: They have about twenty minutes afterwards. I think it was.
1: Yeah, and then Art claims that they didn't even know how much time was left until they were down to five minutes, and I think they only got as far as what was it? X.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, Ian e plus actually. Ian e plus. It didn't help that they decided to write the word from left to right, which meant they had to go all the way along the streets to get to the start and it's basically waste half the time doing that. And uh, and our, the what was it the readers' group frustration
1: of not being able to get a hold of Karen or Anna or who's, who's, who else was in the group, Patrick, yes, to the point that Art says, oh, maybe they're sitting in the sun somewhere and that's why they're not answering the walkie-talkie.
0: Yeah, and Patrick told Anna that Karen shouldn't have the phone as she's quote unquote a technical and can't tell her left from right. And therefore the perfect person to guide the other team. <laughs> we're
1: gonna we're gonna use the person who has no sense of direction and no sense of how to use any sort of technology.
2: <laughs> I, I love that she apparently thinks she can keep a phone next to her ear for an hour without holding it.
1: And one thing I noticed is that when Pepine is talking with Anna, things are starting to go a lot better, and he asks about why they're going on a specific route. The entire theme song for the TV show Dexter plays. From start to finish, they play the whole Dexter theme.
0: Well, it, interestingly, this actually came up in a thing I was reading on Reality Blurred, because he released a, an oral history of the U.S. mole.
1: Yeah, I scanned through a chunk of it.
0: But one very interesting thing in there is, apparently, the American producers were told by the Belgian production team, or the Belgian Beatles, as they call themselves, that they use a lot of copyrighted music. And um, the American producers took one look at this and went, that's a really bad idea, because that would cost us a fortune, given American copyright rules. So it's hilarious that it then comes up in this episode, like, yeah, we're going to use the entire Dexter theme song, or we're going to use loads of... um, Loads of film music in Belgium.
1: So why is it much cheaper there?
0: Uh, because they don't give a shit about copyright, I think. Which is deeply ironic given the legacy of you not being able to photograph the Atomium because of Belgian copyright laws.
1: So do we do we know like the do we know the ratio then? Because American TV shows typically have a really, really big budget, so I'm guessing if they can't get access to any of the copyrighted music. Are we looking at like four or five times as much money to pay for use of that music? I
0: have no idea, but that's the reason why they got a fully orchestrated soundscape done for U.S. Mall rather than adapting anything from uh, Belkir or, or Vidim at the time. Huh. So Art mishears uh, the third side street is the fourth side street, and Karen does point it out to Sundas and Patrick. And when the next call comes through, Papine takes over the phone and realises that they are writing a word with their roots. The writers keep doing their letters, but no calls come through from the readers, and they walk through a river and do the entire assignment rather leisurely, including them being at a karate school and playing football in the (coughs) streets, and ignoring Karen's phone calls.
1: Can can you imagine if they were wearing geese and taking part in a karate lesson? (laughs)
0: I just love the idea that Karen was constantly ringing them and they're just, like, practising karate because it's dry. They're inside and it's just dry and pleasant for them.
2: The best bit is they're doing everything to stay dry, and yet there's not really any reason at all why the, why the writers are even walking beyond production wanting them to be a little bit wet. No. Like, they could have just stayed in the hotel and just directed them with a map.
0: But no, that's way too fun. Yeah. So they spot the 3 missed calls and Sundos rings them back, and they're only just going into the second street, and Karen actually asks them what the hell they have been doing. The time runs out for the Rices when they've written all but the last E, and they have to go to a cafe to give the instructions to the other group, and Karen tells them to get a move on, but only five minutes before their time runs out as well. And The people in the readers group don't trust each other, which doesn't help. Papine admits that he doesn't trust either of them. Anna and Patrick find it hilarious how stressy Karen is getting at them, though. And after an hour of walking in the rain, they have an E or an M and a cross, and that is it. And thanks to our friends over at Google Earth, Peter Yan shows them their route, (laughs) which dates this episode significantly.
1: Do people still use Google Earth for fun anymore?
0: Nah, Google Earth was folded into maps years ago, I think. I don't even think it's a separate thing anymore.
1: Yeah, I remember when Google Earth first came out. That would have been, what, 15 years ago?
2: Something like that. I was in high school when it. Yeah, I was definitely in high school too.
0: The initial release was June the 10th, 2001.
1: Initial release. So it probably wouldn't have been too detailed then.
0: The 3D buildings were added to it in 2009.
1: That sounds about right.
0: Yeah, and, and Street View was added in 2008. Apparently, Google Earth is still a thing, hmm. which I'm surprised about, because I didn't think that it was anything outside of Google Maps anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't even know, because it's really just, from my memory of it, everybody would just look up random spots on it and be fascinated by it for a couple hours, and then that was it. You would have no reason to touch Google Earth again.
0: Yeah, I just love the idea that that Google definitely sponsored this episode, or this challenge at least because it is heavily Google-branded.
1: Well, they used to use, I don't know if they still do, but Google they used, they used at least Google Earth quite frequently for the Amazing Race. Mm,
0: they did. But now I think it's just generic maps. Yeah. Now they don't even show the maps, because they're just ferrying them on a tour bus. Google Contiki. So, art reasons that if it's €1,600 Euros they could win, it must be eight letters long, and it can't be mole, because by their logic it would be €1,500. Euros. And Sundos suggests the word execute C, and they guess Mole because they don't trust her.
1: <laughs> yeah, they just ignore her.
0: Meaning they are nothing of €2,000 euros for this challenge. And they cannot understand why Karen never told them that they were in a hurry.
1: Yeah, and just the other three are blown away that Sundos blurts out the correct word, and then R and Pepin are saying, nah, it's probably Mole, even though what we have so far looks a lot more like E and X rather than M and O.
0: Pepine says no one listens to Sundos, but that's understandable because she's not very active in the game.
1: Yeah, Pepine justifies ignoring Sundos.
0: And Anna tells her to her face to speak up a bit more. It's just so rude. I love Sundos anyway, but it's just so rude how they treat her.
1: Yeah, Pepine's confessional is unusually brutal by Vidim's standards.
0: And then, as they're drying off, they interrogate each other about how much they brought in. And Sundas tries to claim Mariana's three thousand euros from the first uh, from the first episode. And they realise how little Art has brought into the pot.
2: It kind of defeats the purpose of the show a little bit for them to do the whole follow the money thing together. It's like you know, thanks Brian Gumble. There is an alliance on Survivor in the third season.
0: And then we get maybe the most interesting challenge of the season. I have to say with Peter Yan meeting them at a flooded crater for the second challenge. And it has been raining so much that the water level in the quarry behind him has risen 60 centimetres in that day alone.
1: That's insane.
0: (laughs) They've got ten minutes to grab the money in the middle of the crater using planks and platforms, just like a team-building exercise, and they can have four people on the big ones and one person on the little ones. They cannot cross while carrying a plank, and the only platform all six of them can be on together is the very last one. Did you notice the particularly interesting thing about this challenge slogan?:
1: We see the entire ten minutes play out in real time.
0: It is done entirely in real time, and I can't think of another um another challenge like this in Vidim that they do in
2: real time. There's one in the next season that's real time as well, but it's only because it's like the entire challenge is about four minutes in total, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, that's the the uh, fish puzzle.
0: But yeah, it's very interesting, this, that they choose to show us literally all ten minutes of it. Because it's not actually like it's a filler challenge, either. Usually, if they pad out the episode with showing us more of a challenge, it means the episode's a bit weak, and they just need to add a few minutes in somewhere. But I don't think it is this. I don't think it is weak, this challenge.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's because of it coming down to the last second, and how far away they were in the last, even when you approach the last ninety seconds that it's a really suspenseful challenge to see play out from start to finish.
0: And we also get Sundos channeling her inner Jan Willem by saying she's slightly autistic and neurotic.
1: Yeah. And it turns into a hashtag and soundos we trust challenge because everyone keeps listening to her, but then also Art and Patrick will say something, and then if either Anna or Karen respond to them, the automatic response is, oh, no, 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 Soundos, we're trusting Soundos. This is what we think. If you guys say anything, we're going to say, no, you need to stop talking, and now we'll listen to Soundos instead.
0: It's so delightful to me, the fact that they are shouting over each other, going, listen to Soundos, listen to Soundos, and yet they are shouting and not listening to what Soundos is actually saying. And it takes them six minutes to actually listen to Sundas.
1: And she, for the most part, figures it out. It seems like it was mainly Sundas to put it all together and a little bit Patrick.
0: And Art doesn't come across particularly well in most of this challenge, I have to say. As much as we love Art as the host, he's a little bit stressy in this challenge and a little bit irritable. He loses his rag about whether a gap is big or little at one point.
1: I wonder if Karen was aware just how little how little they respected her by this point in the season. Because I think if I was Karen, that would be quite a frustrating experience to know that once the season is all wrapped and it airs on TV, that you know you're going to be taking a few hits. And that it may not be particularly kind to you either.
0: I think she had an inkling about what people thought of her at this point in the season. She's almost 60% of the way through the season. I think she probably knew that, Maybe people didn't trust her as much as she'd hoped
2: they would. Especially because so much of this season has been, basically, you know, Patrick and Yarn and Papine basically telling the women to shut up and get in their corner.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the most inc- uncomfortable part about this season.
0: Yeah, it's very much a time capsule of the early 2010s. So Sundar says that it is the perfect way to mole, shouting that you are listening, but you're actually not. And with four minutes left, they decide to actually listen for once. With two minutes to go, they work out the solution. Art says that it was chaotic, but they did try to listen to Sundas. And with just three seconds left, they make it to the final platform and earn themselves €2,500 for the pot.
1: Yeah, this was a really fun challenge to watch, and I absolutely love the real-time aspect to it.
0: And the best thing about it is, of course, what ends up being our banner, which is just P.E.N. standing on the shoreline being... Utterly perplexed that they managed to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was his complete and utter shock. Just what? Uh, he probably had his lines all prepared, all of his zingers to diss them, and that effectively gets thrown into the gets thrown into the water. And then Soundos even Else is probably aware that Peter Yan is way is eager to say something because she just shouts in your face,
2: <laughs>
1: in your face, Peter Yan.
0: It, it's another all-time Pete moment because he's just so confused that these people managed to be successful. For once, he doesn't know what to say.
1: Well, even when there was three minutes left, they, they were much closer to the starting platform than they were the, at the to the finishing platform. And then it's not until ninety seconds that you think, "Oh, they're starting to make progress." And it's not until about thirty seconds that you think, "No, they're not gonna. Oh, they're not gonna get that money, are they?"
0: I don't even think that we see P.E.N. commentate on them afterwards. He's just like, wow, I'm actually quite proud. I'm quite proud you did that. See you later.
1: Yeah, he just hands them the money and just walks away.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't even do his usual roasting debrief because he's just so confused about how they managed to be successful.
2: The best thing is, like, even during the challenge, the water level rises so much that it almost looks like they're walking on water by the end. Well, even when
1: they were lifting, they had a tough time with the planks in the last minute too, because the planks, the one plank, I think Art had dipped almost all the way into the water and then have to pull it back up.
0: Yeah, I think there was a genuine safety concern by the end of this challenge that they need to actually move, otherwise they're going to be swimming out of that crater.
1: I wonder if they had it originally planned for 15, have it be 15 minutes, and then they saw, they measured how fast the water was rising, and they say, "Oh no, no, no. Let's just make it 10 minutes and whatever
2: happens, happens.
0: This challenge was also on Australia 6, was it not?
2: Yeah, and they basically did it in a tidal pool to sort of try and replicate the water level thing. Wasn't as fun, though.
0: Of course it wasn't, because you didn't have PTN there, and you didn't have Sundos taunting him at the end, and you didn't have Art just being a chaotic presence and nobody listening to Sundos. Weirdly, this challenge requires a level of incompetence. And usually we just require that from the producers of Australia 6, Germany 5, or indeed US 6. That's the level of incompetence we're used to.
1: I assume the strategy as the mole here was to throw in as much chaos as possible, but because enough people got on board with the idea of letting Soundos talk, for the most part, that that neutralizes the most effective way for the mole to sabotage this challenge. Other than, say, agree with ideas that they knew would take them further away from the finish line.
0: Yeah, chaos is the order of the day for both of these first two challenges. You just have to sow some sort of chaos.
1: You just have to subtly contribute to the arguing or dissension, because this task is pretty much pure teamwork, where teamwork in the form of whoever you can pinpoint as knowing the most about this challenge, let that person talk the most, and then everyone just sort of throw in their uh, their own ideas occasionally if the leader gets stuck.
0: I joked about it at the start of the challenge, but it is a team-building exercise, this. This is the sort of thing that they do on work-away days. Yeah. Along with trust falls and bullshit
1: like that. Do you think the mole would have had to do much during the first challenge?
0: No. (laughs) I think there is a preferred option for where the mole needs to be in this challenge, but I don't think that the mole really needed to do much at all in that first challenge.
1: The rain was the biggest asset.
0: Yeah, they just had to make sure that execution wasn't the answer in the end, by whatever means.
1: Yeah, either you're one of the readers and you say, oh, Soundos, you're saying execution? Nah, let's just blurt out and say it's mole. And then if you're one of the writers, you probably, well, A, you don't tell them there's five minutes left on the clock, and B, you don't really, uh, you know, you fumble with the, which was what happened a lot, fumbling with the walkie-talkie, but it seemed like everyone was fumbling with the walkie-talkie, so it's not as easy as it normally is with a walkie-talkie challenge for me to identify who the mole is, or that, or that a sabotage had occurred.
0: So when they get to the hotel, they can stay either two or three to a room, And Patrick and Art have a beautiful view of our good friend Yuri's Reagan Reagan Pipe. pipe? Yeah, (laughs) I was thinking. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like, oh man, Yuri's rain pipe. Wait, not a rain pipe. It's a Reagan Pipe. (laughs) I wonder, did Art tell a really good story about one?
0: Uh, Not that I'm aware of. It was a few years too early for him (laughs) to tell a a great story about a Reagan Pipe.
1: Would that be eight years in advance of foreshadowing? Seven years?
0: I mean, Reagan Pipe is my Animal Crossing town name, in Yuri's (laughs) honour. And Pityan meets them on a beach which reminds Art of the North Sea. And he demands €100 from the pots because they bought their Wellington boots
2: using pot money, and he tells them to prepare for test and execution. I I love that he's just standing on the beach like he's about to yell at Karen to dig deep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dig, woman, Dig! Winning team goes to the volcano for a reward. (laughs) I guess those two seasons would have filmed within about a year of each other, because Survivor Nicaragua would have been fall of 2010.
0: Yeah, 2010 this filmed.
2: I mean, we joke, but they do go to that volcano next episode.
0: Yeah, they do. And they're all confused by not having a third challenge pre-test, and that means that they earned €2,400 of 4500 for the episode, and 15,890 of 42,650 for the season so far. And Karen volunteers to go first at test, so the rest can study. And it is now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home.
2: 20 questions, you say?
0: 20 questions about the identity <laughs> and actions of the mole. We're not starting with fuck and-
2: off. And... And let me get
1: this straight. Whoever knows the least is the one who goes home.
0: I'm going to cut (laughs) this. We're not (laughs) starting this again. (laughs) (laughs) You troublesome meddling kids. (laughs) So Karen was on Jan and Patrick in the last test, and only Patrick is left. He didn't do anything suspicious in this episode, but he didn't exactly excel. And she throws some questions to Papine too, as going all in is too risky. Papine says that he could be completely wrong, in which case too bad, but he's convinced of it being one person and one person alone, and has no info on anyone else, so wouldn't make the finale if it isn't them. Sundos says that Patrick makes sure no money goes into the pot, he gives up too easily, art too, but he could just be a candidate playing the mole. Patrick suspects two people, Karen still, and Papine. It would be strange if it wasn't Karen, though. Anna says she didn't spread too much, as she was sure a certain person was the mole, but she's not sure if going all in is a good idea, and Art suspected Patrick, Karen, and Jan at the last test, but Papine does strange things, so he's splitting over the two leftovers and Papine in this test.
1: He does strange things. Does he, does he? When he eats pizza, does he start with the crust first and then works his way to the rest of the pizza?
0: No, he's in the Upside Down.
1: Oh.
0: P.C. then meets him and tells him that one of them has just got a red screen, and it's up to them to decide whether he will be showing it. Sundus goes first and picks two cards, and the remaining four are the colours for their final challenge of the episode. Because it is time to play Mastermind, in a mole fashion. Anna is assigned to blue, Papine is white, Art orange, Patrick yellow, Karen green and Sundus pink. And they have to lay towels out on the beach to play a version of Mastermind. The more rounds that they require, the more screens will need to be seen. Their first guess is pink, blue, orange, white, and they have two colours correct but in the wrong place and that means that they know that Karen and Patrick's colours are both in the code. They then attempt green, yellow, pink, blue. Two colours are right, but in the wrong place. If they need two attempts, they'll see just one screen. Four attempts is two screens, five is three, six is four, eight is five, and if they use all ten attempts, they will see all the screens and have a guaranteed elimination.
1: It's pretty tough to take more than five attempts at this, right?
0: Yeah, they do get lucky in that they manage to find out immediately that Patrick and Karen's colors are required. So the logical second move is put Karen and Patrick in and take two of them out and see whether they manage to get all four colors, and then just work on the order after that. You should be able to work out the colors within three moves here, and then it's just a case of working out the order.
1: Yeah, except well, after the second second attempt, they knew not to use Soundos and the Anna anymore.
0: Yeah, so after the second attempt, they work out that Sundos and Anna are the two that they don't need. And then after that point, they just need to work on the order and try and work it out.
1: Yeah, and just make sure the other four weren't standing in the same position as they were during the first two rounds.
0: Yeah, and it's also an interesting challenge because the mole really doesn't have to do anything. The mole has no impetus here. The mole obviously would prefer for a a non-elimination episode.
1: Yeah, more room to hide.
0: But I don't think the mole really cares that much, or even has any prior knowledge.
1: Yeah, it's that one fun challenge for the mole where they get to behave like a contestant. Yeah, you
0: can't read anything into this challenge in terms of suspicions, I don't think. No. So Papayan realises that the four colours they need are his, Art's, Patrick, and Karen's. Sandos doesn't understand this challenge, so Anna is the one to take charge.
1: So they don't, they don't listen to Sandos in this challenge, which was a good thing.
0: Their third attempt is white, orange, yellow, green, and they have all four colours, and two of them in the correct place. They try yellow, white, green, orange, and only one's in the correct place. And their fifth attempt is white, green, yellow, orange, and it's correct, so they will be seeing three screens. Karen suggests that they draw lots, but Papine volunteers to see his screen, and Patrick says that it's incredibly suspicious that he volunteered.
1: Yeah, aren't it out because we've always debated, do you want to see your screen in a round where only a few people get to see their screens because this comes up almost every season. So it's always interesting because we've there's always debate on Of on one hand you get to confirm whether or not you're on the right track on the other hand you're at risk of elimination.
0: Yeah, I think in Papine's case, because he went all in on that test, not knowing that it was going to be a potential non-elimination it makes sense for him to want to see his screen because it lets him know if he's on the right track or not.
1: Arch brought up a really good point here, though, saying there's not really much benefit to seeing your screen because if you're safe, you're just getting confirmation of your own tunnel busy. So maybe it is better just to take that guaranteed W and just advance to the next round no matter what.
0: Yeah, I don't think you ever volunteer to see your screen no matter what. But I think the logic from Papine's point of view, assuming he's not the mole, is at least reasonably sound. I sort of understand why he volunteered.
1: Yeah, at least it wasn't like Yann and just go all in on one person from the beginning of the season and never deter from it, and not play three yokers.
0: So Sundar draws her own name and Karen's, meaning that they will be the three to see the screen, and Anna realises in confessional that that means she's through to episode seven.
1: Yeah, two exemptions of safety in a row.
0: And her third this season, is it?
1: Yeah, she's been saved three times, right?
0: Well, she was going to be safe with Hannah's exemption in episode 3, but then obviously Hannah went oh, home to maybe amendment. that's what I'm thinking
1: of. Alright, was she safe in episode... Nope, that was Papine in episode 1.
0: Yeah, so she's she's been safe twice, but she should have been safe three times if Hannah wasn't a moron. Right. And Papine's screen is green, as are Sundas and Karen's, meaning that everyone is through to episode 7, and one of Anna, Arthur, Patrick should have gone home.
1: And you know it's no, you know it's a non-elimination when the credits start to roll underneath during the execution, because that happens almost every time.
0: <laughs> Interestingly, I don't think they confirm at the reunion who it would have been, but also, I think put a pin in it. We can probably work it out by the end of the season.
2: Do you think it probably would have always been a guaranteed green, like non-elimination? Because you figure it's this late in the season, they've got to have at least one more to get to 10 episodes. They don't really have another opportunity to do it. So unless they got to a situation where basically five people have to see the screen and the mole is the odd one out, I think they probably would have just made everyone's screen green even if it wasn't supposed to be. We've
1: always speculated that for the past what few seasons that we podcasted now, that these non-eliminations seem to be a bit more orchestrative of, to where it feels like it's almost rigged that no one goes home that week.
0: Yeah, because they love to do a non-elimination in usually weeks 1, 3, or 6. In some form. And this season we get them in 1 and 6.
1: However, if you ask Phil Kogan, this was not a non-elimination, but rather this is a mega round, because the next round starts immediately.
0: It's a mega execution. <laughs> So, next time, everyone climbs a volcano and drags a box all the way up there. PTN warns them of bombs. Bombs? And Patrick celebrates some yokers. It's
1: like, uh, last night in trivia, there was a brand new team that named themselves Bees. Bees with a question mark at the end. So we just kept saying, Bees? 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 Bombs?
0: So, who do you suspect, Sanderson?
1: Uh, Let's see, number one is Anna, number two is Papine, number three is Karen, number four is Patrick, and number five is Soundos. Uh, Anna I'm suspecting because she was not very helpful during the rainy navigation challenge. And in the second challenge, um, she was shut out quite a bit uh, in terms of using the planks to navigate. And then the only time she really took charge to help out the team was during the beach towel challenge, in which there was no money up for grabs, and the mole typically prefers it to be a non-elimination so that they have more people to hide behind. So that's my justification for suspecting Anna. And I feel like if I didn't have the knowledge about Art not being the mole, I feel like I would have suspected him really high at this point, too, during the season.
0: Yeah, I seem to remember by this point in the season when I first watched it, I was very much on the art train. Because he's incredibly suspicious at this point in the season. And deliberately suspicious. He's basically the the architect of the contestant making themselves very suspicious. Archetype.
1: And then I kept flopping back and forth between Pepe and Karen as my number two suspect because there was that moment of, well, Karen fumbling with the walkie-talkie a lot. And not letting them know about the five minute delay. We think that's just our personality. Pepine overrode SoundOS's execution answer immediately, r- r- almost too quickly to ensure that money stayed out of the pot. And then he wasn't particularly helpful with the plank challenge either. So mm. that's why I've had Ann and Pepine so high up on the list for a while.
0: Interesting. And who yeah. do you think's going next week?
1: Next round. It seems like it's time for, if Anna isn't the mole, I think she'll go. Otherwise, it'll probably be, I think Patrick will go.
0: Interesting.
1: Oh, because Art says he partially suspects Patrick, so I'm thinking, well, Art has to win the season somehow.
0: (laughs) See, I was going to jokingly go, and who do you think wins the season, but, you know... (laughs) I think you know the answer to that question. <laughs> Have you guys got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good.
2: Nope.
0: Excellent news. Just what I want to hear. In that case, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2011 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for an old mall in El Salvador and Nicaragua. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, Worries, or like you can email us in contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Logs of Cracky. Mindles is a grooming cuppa, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rcbwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the
2: subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace
1: out and just chill till the next flavoring.
2: You told me we'd see Art's Wet Wood in this episode. Zero stars.